are listening to the Empowering Business DFW Podcast, and I am your host, Stephen Austin. Hey guys, and welcome to this week's episode of the podcast. Before I introduce our guest this week, I just wanted to say thank you to everyone who has tuned in through the first five episodes. Your support is greatly appreciated, not only by me, but also by the business owners and entrepreneurs who have been interviewed on this show. If you've enjoyed the podcast or gained any value by listening, please consider leaving a rate, a review, and a comment to tell us about your favorite part of the show. Now, our guest this week is Siddharth Sood, a 17-year-old entrepreneur, inventor, TEDx speaker, and the founder and CEO of Curiosity. Now, Curiosity is a private space exploration company that is focused on working and partnering up with other multi-billion dollar aerospace companies to eventually take humanity to Mars. So Darth tells us a little bit about his entry to entrepreneurship, and at the age of 17, he is now on his second business venture. So Darth has a lot going on, and I'm excited for you guys to hear everything that he's working on. So let's get to today's episode. All right, and welcome to this episode of the Empowering Business DFW podcast. I'd like to welcome Siddharth to the uh, to the show. How's it going, man? It's going great, man. Thanks for inviting me to the show. Yeah, I'm glad to have you. And it's kind of like a mini milestone for me, right? Episode five. It's kind of a big deal. Yeah, <laughs> you know, when you, when you think about starting a podcast, and obviously you, you got a podcast as well, so you kind of know what, what one goes through when you do that. But yeah getting to the fifth episode and the 10th and the 20th is always, I don't know, just like, a, yeah, like a benchmark, you know, you get your first one, then you got your fifth one, your 10th or 20th. Yeah. Yep. It keeps going. It's exciting. No, um, I'm excited to hear about your story. I mean, when you go through and you start getting some Intel and researching someone um, just looking at your resume, it's very impressive. And you know, at 17 years old, you've accomplished a lot. So I'll give you a few minutes, give some context about, who is Siddharth and, and what are you getting into? Yeah, so um, when I first heard of entrepreneurship, it was my sophomore year of high school. I was uh, 15, just turned 16, and I had no idea what entrepreneurship was. Um, and it was a YouTube video, which I saw, it was called 90 Seconds in the Life of an Entrepreneur, which really got me interested in the whole deal. Um, it was by a YouTube channel called Valuetainment, in which I keep very closely with they give great business advice um, and so through that channel I got introduced into the world of business and I thought it's something that really intrigues me and I kept learning more and more about it I read a lot of business books you know the normal self-help books people read when they get into the industry like how to win friends and influence people by Dale Carnegie uh, uh, the power of habits by Charles Duhigg zero to one by Peter Thiel so a lot of those books to just to get to know what business is like and just to learn some of those skills. Uh, but as I learned them, I came to the conclusion that entrepreneurs are doers, not just dreamers. You know, at some point, regardless of your age, you should go take the leap of faith and build your own business. You know, for me, I thought, okay, right now I'm too young. I'm just a sophomore in high school. Maybe I should wait until I get into college to start my first business. But instead I thought, why not just give it a shot? So I did. And so I joined this startup incubator program called the Young Entrepreneurs Academy here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Um, and it was targeted at young entrepreneurs like myself. 
And so I went through the program um, and I think that's where I learned most of what I know foundationally about business and they helped me throughout the way. Um, I launched my first company through that program uh, called Arise. It was a wearable tech startup. We created shoes that took the energy from your steps and used it to power built-in tech. Originally, I tried um, this idea as a club at my high school, but I realized that none of the students were really interested for it. They just like wanted to be a part of the club just for the sake of doing it, but they didn't really feel passionately about the product or um, the project itself. So I launched it as a company through the Startup Incubator program. And it was just myself when I started it. Um, and I kept doing it. I did some prototypes. And finally, the day came of the investor panel pitch. And there was a, this was in March of 2019. So it'd been a couple months of me uh, preparing for the pitch and working on the company. Um, and that's when I got my first investment uh, it was a business grant. It wasn't much. It was only a couple thousand, but um, it really fueled my drive for working on this idea. And it was the highest amount out of all the other startups that pitched that day. So I thought, okay, maybe I am onto something. And I went from there. Nice. So how many, how many different investors did you have to pitch this idea to? There were, uh, it was a panel. So there were, um, I think, around six or eight. Um, investors there and it was just for companies that were part of the Young Entrepreneurs Academy program and so all those companies that were in my class we all pitched that day. Um, interestingly the following year so this year in 2020 I was actually one of the investors on that panel now nice. so it's been quite a journey just from like pitching last year and now being part of the panel like I got to see behind the scenes what goes on how do those investors make those decisions? So yeah, it was quite the experience. That's, pr that's pretty cool. I mean, you kind of put you in a perspective, like you understand exactly what the person on the other side of that table is yeah. going through. So it kind of gives you that, I wouldn't say, it kind of just gives you the freedom and understanding, like I know what they're going through. So let me help them in a different way that maybe someone who didn't really understand what they were going through, if that makes right. sense. Yeah. So where did you get the idea? Obviously, you started the rise, and the, but the product that came out of it, where did you get the idea? Yeah, so I was watching Back to the Future, um, and I saw Marty McFly put on his shoes, and they automatically laced up, and they were super futuristic and cool. And I was just thinking about everyday shoes, like, why don't we have something like this today? Why is this something that we have to have in the future? And technically, we were supposed to have these by 2015, um, and we still don't have them. And so I thought, why not build a set of futuristic shoes? And so I thought about it, and I read the stat that the average person takes around 10,000 steps each day, and that's a lot of steps. I thought, okay, they're applying the full force of their body onto the ground with each step. That's a lot of energy going to waste. What if there was a way I could build a system to capture that energy? So that's kind of where the idea came from. It started forming in my mind, and I'm like, let me put it to use. And I started researching on different types of systems that I could use to capture that energy. Um, I ultimately settled with piezoelectric generators, um, the disc kind, um, and I thought that was the most efficient system for me. Plus it was very uh, mobile and it was easy to use. Um, and it was pretty thin and flexible, which is something you need to keep in mind when you're putting it inside a shoe. You know, you don't want it to be too bulky. 
So that's kind of where the idea originally came from. Now, at this point, are you still operating solo or do you, have you brought on anyone else at that point? Um, I have brought on other people, but this is for the company I'm part of now called Curiosity. Yeah, so Arise, um, I ended it at the beginning of this year and I'll get into that later. Okay, perfect. Just reading the, the bio of, of Arise, you, you ended up evolving into a project that ended up working directly with the military. I mean, how did that... How did that evolve? What's the story behind that? So um, with Arise, I was at a networking event. Um, and so my mentor, one of them, who I met at the Young Entrepreneurs Academy, um, introduced me to this networking event. And I went there and I pitched. Um, I was just speaking to other people. Um, and so when I was talking, one of the guys in the audience, his name was J.P. Hogan, and he worked with com uh, connecting commercial companies in the North Texas area with the U.S. military, companies that had innovative solutions that the military was looking for. And so he told me that the Army Applications Lab of the U.S. military, which is their new division focusing on uh, improving collaboration with startups, they were looking for an energy harvesting system, a mobile system for soldiers and the U.S. Army. So I'm like, that's something I can build. And so my technology went along perfectly with that. So that's how I first made that connection. And he invited me to an event where I met a lot of these people. And from there, I built that uh, relationship with the Army Applications Lab and a couple of the guys there to go forward with working with the military. It kind of just goes to show you the importance of networking, right? Absolutely. That's where yeah. all this comes from is networking. But Obviously, the military wasn't your main focus or your main target audience for this product. Did you have some a mindset of, I want to target this niche or this area? I did, yeah. Originally, when I started, it was for uh, sneakerheads and people who were into uh, shoe culture and sneaker culture as a whole. Um, eventually, I decided not going with the commercial applications and just focusing on the military um, because I had another idea growing in my head for a different company, which is the one I'm working on now. And so if I went with the commercial uh, venture for Arise, it would have taken too much of my time and I wouldn't have been able to start the company that I then started. Yeah, I mean, when you're in high school and still <laughs> creating a business, time is limited, period. Yeah, definitely. So at military, are they still using this technology, your technology that you yeah, create? Uh, so I gave the technology to a couple of my contacts in the military. They're assessing the technology right now. They're working on seeing how we can get it patented, finding a third-party commercial developer to develop the technology, um, and protect, protecting the intellectual property rights. So those are three focus areas. I'm still actively involved in talking to the military guys and setting it out because my main goal right now is to um, kind of take off all the responsibilities from Arise off my hands now and kind of just uh, headed like from an overview perspective so I can focus more time on my current company. Um, wow. So that's part of the reason why I gave the technology to the military so they can develop it and use it as fit. Um, and they can work with a third party, uh, a commercial entity to develop the tech and to manufacture it. That way I don't have to be involved in day-to-day -day operations on working on the technology. Yeah, and that gives you time to your point, time to do your other business and what that we'll get to soon. But yes. 
was so this was a technology that could go into any type of shoe was there a specific uh dimension a specific you know style it can be adapted to any type of shoe yeah i mean you would have to mess with the layout a little bit depending on the shoe you're putting it in but um the core technology could be used in any shoe so have you been in contact with any other shoe manufacturers or this proprietary now to the military because you have given them the rights to that um, I have not been in contact with other shoe developers because then I, again, it would have to be commercial and I was trying to stay away from that option just so I can focus on my new company. Yeah, no, that's good. So you mentioned earlier that you still kind of involved. So you're kind of in goal for Arise is just to oversee um, and hopefully in turn get some royalties from it. Yeah, I know. Yeah, so like the uh, company itself, the entity was ended at the beginning of 2020. Um, but the technology itself, I'm still in the process of handing it over to the military. That's awesome. So you mentioned a few times curiosity. There was a, I guess you started that in January of 2020. Yeah. So what did you do between, I mean, doesn't sound like you were very busy at all. <laughs> um, between 2018 and 2020, we decided to, to, to start curiosity what was the what was the gap like what did you do between that time oh um so from 2018 to 2020 i was working on arise and as soon as i ended arise i started working on curiosity so i didn't have like a gap at all i just wanted to just go get it you know um, i don't want to wait around so i just went for it yeah that's awesome so tell us about curiosity your your new uh new your new goal your business um tell us about that yeah, so um, again, once again, at a, I was at a networking event where um, I met an old mentor of mine. And I was, uh, this was, I was at this event for Arise because at this point I was working with universities to uh, kind of get the intellectual property rights for the technology for the uh, shoe. Um, and it was at this networking event where I met an old mentor and I was just having, you know, general conversations with him, um, just making small talk. And I was talking about some of the things Elon Musk is doing and how I envision the future of space exploration. And I was bringing up an issue where there were many companies and world governments that wanted to go to space and they wanted to colonize Mars. But each of them specialized in a certain part of the supply chain. No one company had all the resources to mount a mission, not even SpaceX or NASA but they all um, specialized in individual parts like SpaceX made really good state-of-the-art rockets while another company called Samvita Factory uses photosynthetic processes to create food and water on Mars. Another company uh, called AI Space Factory, they work on 3D printing habitats for Mars using the Martian soil. So just, I thought, why not bring together all of these different companies so we then have each part of the supply chain and to build a coalition which can then collectively mount a mission to Mars. And so I took that idea, I turned it into a company called Curiosity with the goal of establishing a sustainable presence on Mars. That's awesome. It's, how is that going so far? I mean, you've only been in it a few months, but um, yeah. how's that process going? No, it, it's been fantastic. So right off the bat, when I started the, the company, um, some of my old military connections, they invited me to um, the U.S. Defense Innovation Conference in Dallas. 
I was the youngest person there. I skipped school to go there, um, funny enough. But yeah, that's where um, a lot of the people in the space tech industry and the aerospace industry were there. Um, I met some folks from Lockheed Martin, from Raytheon. Um, I told about the idea to a C-suite Raytheon executive who was interested in it. Um, and a couple of other companies as well I've reached out to over that time. Um, one in particular was Ion Power Group. Um, they'd like to be part of the coalition. Ion Power Group uh, specializes in taking the uh, ions in the atmosphere of Mars and converting them into usable energy. Um, so they would be a great part of the supply chain to take care of the energy part. Um, I'm still focusing on suppliers for um, food and water on Mars, which would definitely be some Vita factory. And our goal is to one day have SpaceX be part of the coalition. So you're just bringing in would be what several, several different like partner relationships yeah. to kind of have an end goal to where everybody, you know, kind of finishes at the finish line together. Is that your idea? Yeah. Behind it? That is my idea. And we've gotten most of the companies that I've wanted to be part of it together. Some are big companies like multi-billion dollar companies. Um, and we're ready, but the only problem right now is the way I want to build the coalition uh, to make it legally binding would be through a membership agreement. And currently, because I'm 17, I have to wait till I'm 18 to be able to sign the document for the membership agreement because it's a very complicated document. Um, and as a minor, I can't authorize it. So I have to wait till I'm 18 to yeah. sign that document. But uh, yeah, so right now my goal is putting all of these companies in alignment. So as soon as my 18th birthday hits, I'm like, here you go, here's the document. Um, and then we all sign it together. Yeah. It's interesting because, you know, I, I got to think back to when I was 17, you know, working with the U S military and in space exploration was never on my radar. So it's pretty <laughs> impressive. Um, now good for you. It, what do you see, you know, curiosity in, in five years and 10 years and what is the ultimate end goal is to you to visit Mars to, to experience yeah. that yourself? Um, I thought about it. The end goal for me is within the next, um, so I want to go to college um, and either specialized in uh, astronautics and space exploration, um, major in that or major in business, either one. Um, and I want to raise venture capital for curiosity do a seed round um, at a convertible note, um, aiming for $500,000 at a, a $4 million valuation eventually. I mean, I think it's doable if I am in Silicon Valley or any of the high venture capital pool areas in the United States. Um, and once I do that, that's my goal within the next two years. Um, and then after that, within the next five years, I need to have all the companies that I want to be part of the coalition aligned. And then within the next, uh, between next five to next 10 years, I, I want to have a human set foot on Mars and I want to be part of the process. Um, yeah. And I personally don't ever uh, plan on going to Mars. Um, eventually, if it reaches the point where it's cost effective enough that I can go to Mars and come back to Earth, I would definitely do it. But um, the way we're seeing things right now, um, going to Mars would be a one-way trip. So yeah. you can't come back. Uh, so I would definitely wait until it's a two-way trip. So it's kind of like going to Mars as a vacation versus like being one of the first settlers there, you know? Um, but yeah. yeah. I couldn't even imagine. I mean, you hear the talks, the talks about living on Mars, but 
when you plan a vacation, you think, oh, I'm going to go to Hawaii or I'm going to go visit Europe. But like, instead, I'm just going to go to Mars and uh, I'll be back in two weeks. I mean, that's, it's just a crazy idea. Um, and it, but it sounds like you're, you're on the right track and you're headed the yeah. right direction. And, and that's I mean, part of the reason um, I think this is something I really stress to entrepreneurs is to never limit your thinking. Don't think small, think big. Um, and part of the reason I think like that is Elon Musk is a huge idol for me. Like I look up to him um, and follow a lot of his business advice. And one of the first investors in both Tesla and SpaceX was a billionaire named Tim Draper. He's huge in Silicon Valley. Um, and so I shot him an email one day asking, uh, since you're a close friend of Elon Musk, what do you think is the number one reason why Elon Musk is able to be successful, not only with one company, but with multiple companies and repeat the process? You know, he started Zip2, then PayPal, then Tesla, SolarCity. Um, now he's working on the boring company, Neuralink so much stuff going on with this guy. I'm just like, how does he do it? And uh, Tim Draper, he shot me a reply saying he thinks big. And so that's when like, it really changed my perspective. Like he could have given me any piece of advice. He could have said he works hard or he's very persistent. You know, there are many things you could do, but he was very specific. He said, he thinks big. And so that's when it really clicked for me. It's like, Part of the reason Elon Musk is able to do this is because he thinks big. He has that vision, you know? So that's when I really started like, if I want to do this, I have to have a big vision, you know, go big or go home. Yeah, for sure. And, and you hear all the time, everyone having a big vision or having big ideas, but actually taking that, Foot into that and saying I'm actually going to do it and, and I think that's right. a lot of times where there's a disconnect of of so many people saying I'm going to do and take this podcast for example I would always thought about doing it but it was the day that I said I'm going to actually do it right so taking that leap of faith and actually going forward with it is is one of the biggest hurdles that you're going to have to deal with so no that's cool podcast okay um so first of all I would think does your product solve a problem? Um, and think about who, you're, who you would sell your product to. Put yourself in the shoes of the consumer. Um, before you even start working on your product, you gotta nail down what your product's gonna be and what the purpose of that product's gonna be. Um, I have a, personally, I use a worksheet called the Idea Validation Board. Um, it's a PDF. You could probably find it online. A lot of um, entrepreneurs have put their own versions of that PDF on the web, but it basically helps you validate your idea and then asks you the right questions. And if you can answer all of those questions, go ahead with your idea and then start working on it. Um, and when you start working on it, it doesn't have to be something huge. You don't have to have a big team by you. Um, Cause when I started Arise, I started it alone. I didn't have a team. Eventually now with curiosity, I have a team, but I started by myself and I, I don't think there's anything wrong with starting by yourself um, and I think especially in the beginning it helps you be a lot more efficient um, and you get things done and as you see which skill sets you lack then you can bring on board members to help you with those skill sets um, so when you're inventing something just keep it simple um, focus on what the customer would need and you know just go to Amazon look up the parts you would need to build it and just start tinkering you know, there's nothing big that's involved with it. It's not a complicated process. Just 
buy some parts, start tinkering in your garage and just go from there. Yeah. Yeah. So what would be some things you would avoid just in general? Don't do this at all. Some things I would avoid. I would avoid investing a lot of capital right at the beginning. That's one thing. A lot of entrepreneurs do that. And when it doesn't work out, they're left with basically nothing. Um, so that's why I would say don't. Oh, also another thing, don't worry about other people stealing your idea. Like, I know, I know a lot of entrepreneurs, every time you want to talk to them, they'll make you sign an NDA. Um, and what that does is it prohibits you from getting a lot of good feedback. And um, like 99.99% of the time, no one will steal your idea because it's not really about the idea. It's about the execution. Um, so don't be so worried that someone's going to steal your idea in the infancy stages, just focusing on building the idea and getting feedback and market validation would be the goal. Um, so don't be like super secretive about it. Of course, to an extent you need to limit it. Like don't go super in depth about exactly the technical workings of your product, but don't be afraid to tell people about what your product is and what it does. You know? Yeah. No, that's that, Yeah. That's an important key because a lot of times when you're developing even like a prototype, it's very hush hush, but yeah. to your point, positive feedback is helpful, but also negative feedback is helpful because Definitely. you know, if you're like, I really like this idea, but every, you know, five people, 10 people, hundred people are telling you consumers aren't going to like that idea. Right. So I think right. positive and negative feedback to take away from that is, is huge. Um, anything I know that a lot of what you did with Arise transitioning over to like i really want to bring value to the listeners on this uh, because it is an entrepreneur focused came from the young entrepreneurs academy where you had investment if i wanted to invent something today what advice would you would you have for me what's the first thing or the main thing that i should really think about before inventing a product opportunities right so what if mm -hmm. what if that wasn't available to somebody what would you suggest on the financial side of, of getting investors or even trying to self-fund a project like, like say, for example, you were trying to self-fund, how much harder would that have been? I think it would have been um, significantly harder in the sense of getting that initial capital to just get the ball rolling. I would say if you're really an entrepreneur, um, you will find a way to get that money. You know, whether you just go on eBay, start selling your stuff, or you start limiting your expenses, somehow put together that money and it doesn't have to be a huge amount be five hundred dollars a thousand dollars maybe two thousand um but once you have that little bit of capital to get you going um i think you're good from there you know there are plenty of alternatives you could do i think cutting down your living expenses would be the best if you're really entrepreneurial you might just go out and sell some stuff um yeah. that kind of thing yeah we're both fans of gary v and he's big yeah. on flip life and he's big on on that topic. So if you need ideas, <laughs> listen to the Gary V podcast because he's, he's definitely into that very much. Speaking of Gary V actually, um, one thing a lot of entrepreneurs should focus on, especially now is just, uh, getting a voice. Like I didn't realize this until, uh, this year, actually, um, this is when I started like really building up my personal brand. Cause I knew that in order for curiosity to be successful, I also need a lot of leverage and a lot of influence. You know, when you think of successful entrepreneurs, their name comes to the, your mind because they've built their own personal brand. So that's something I'm focusing a lot on nowadays, just putting out more content 
whether it be on LinkedIn. Um, I recently gave a TED Talk. I started my own podcast. Um, I did a couple of public speaking engagements elsewhere as well. Um, so just focusing on getting that going would and be best. Go and ahead. while you, you brought up a podcast, just uh, shout out your uh, podcast name so everybody can have some visibility. Oh, yeah, so I have a podcast called Success Stories by Sid. You can Google it, Success Stories with Sid, and it'll come up. Um, can find it on Spotify, Anchor, um, a lot of the podcasting platforms. It j basically just goes over life lessons and business lessons that I've learned so far. And I take you to the journey with me. Yep. That's awesome. You mentioned early on that, you know, you'd, you'd read several books. Is there a book, one book that you would recommend um, to someone? There is. Yeah. Zero to One by Peter Thiel is probably the biggest one. Nice. Yeah, especially if you're starting a tech startup, that's the best one. Um, and if you're going into sales or uh, anything that requires dealing with people, How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie is a good one. Okay. What advice would you have for someone just generically wanting to start a business? Generically wanting to start a business. We're not talking um, invention. We're talking like, I just want to start a business. Just a business. Okay. Well, um, in that case, I would definitely, um, once you gain, if you just want to start a business, um, think about maybe if it's a physical business, think about how you could work on it from a digital aspect. Because you always want to have something to differentiate yourself. You know, um, startups usually do have a differentiating factor, their unique value proposition. But a lot of businesses that are just small businesses, usually they don't have a key differentiating factor, which is a why a lot of them go into losses. I think like nine out of 10 small businesses fail or there was some statistic like that. Uh, so I think just finding a way um, to differentiate yourself. And I think going digital um, and leveraging digital resources is a good way to do that. Yeah, I think the times we're living in now is a perfect example of, of the importance of going digital, right? When, yeah, COVID, when COVID hit, a lot of companies, major companies had to make that shift a year, two, three years earlier than what they planned on. Because if you weren't digital, when COVID hit, you took a major hit. So for sure. Yeah. yeah that's a very important um, aspect of that. So what's next for you? You've, you've done a lot in the last five I years. I do have plans. Yeah. I have plans stretching like the next 10 to 20 years, but that's just because the way my personality is, I like to, plan ahead and I like to just map out where I'm going. Um, and I, I feel like a lot of people don't do that and it's okay. It's not a bad thing if you don't know what you're going to do. Um, but it is a bad thing if you don't do anything about it. So I would, um, yeah, I would tell people to just plan out where you see your life going in a sense. For me, um, I know what I want is so for the next decade, I want to build curiosity. I want to fully build it out. And then I want to have an exit. Um, so if suppose I raise that venture capital round that I want that seed round at a convertible note, and then I convert it, Curiosity would have a four to five million dollar valuation that's typical of tech startups in Silicon Valley. And that would be at its infancy stages. So if I go through a series A, a series B, a series C, a series D, I have four capital rounds. Uh, by the end of it, I would want Curiosity to have anywhere from a hundred million to a $200 million valuation at which point I would feel comfortable exiting the company um, and appointing a skilled CEO, a CEO that is good with dealing with established companies. 
because you got to remember there are two t different types of entrepreneurs those that thrive in startup environments and those that thrive in corporate environments a really good example of this is steve jobs was a really good startup founder with apple tim cook is a really good corporate ceo you know when steve jobs left apple um when he died it was the apple was worth like a hundred billion dollars today it's worth two trillion dollars yeah. so tim cook 20x the valuation of apple um but steve jobs is the one who built it both of them are fantastic ceos but just different walks of life um so personally i see myself as more of a startup ceo so i think once my company hits like a 200 million dollar valuation mark i would step down um and let someone who would be better than me run the company yeah um and at that point i would just assume position as a board member of the company and the next thing i would move on to is i have political aspirations so after curiosity is built out um i want to go into politics that's cool it's a little different transition but um yeah definitely no that's awesome yeah i think one of the you know as a when you start a business right the one thing that sometimes people have a problem with is the ability to step aside or step down whenever you, mm -hmm. whenever someone is more suitable for a position, right? So you figuring that out early is going to give you a head start because sometimes, you know, business owners, 20, 30 years in business and they're probably like, okay, I guess I got to do it now. I should have done it 15 years ago, but you know, I'll do it now. So the fact that you recognize that early yeah. is going to put you ahead. Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, and I definitely think that it's important to recognize that you're never going to be the best person. The point of running a company is not about you being the best person in the company. It's about hiring the best people. You want to hire people that are better than you, who can do the job better than you. Um, and that's how you build a good company. You know, As a founder, it's not about being the best. It's about hiring the best. And so you have to do what's best for your company, not what's just best for yourself and if you do that long enough eventually you will end up in a path that is best for yourself yeah for sure completely agree um where can people find you they can um my biggest following would be on linkedin uh, and on instagram if you go to siddharth suit official you can find my instagram um i think i recently made a facebook as well so check that out um, yeah those are my main sources and for the listeners, I'll link, I'll pull all of his uh, links and contact information, all of that in the show notes below. Um, anything final takeaway, anything you want the audience to really take away from this conversation? Yeah, I would say think big. Um, don't limit yourself. You're never too young to start. Smart, small, uh, start small, but build big. That's my big takeaway. Start small, build big. Nice. I mean, obviously you've had some, some influence in your life on all of your decisions. So this is kind of the point in the podcast where I allow you to just, you know, who inspired you, who are you, you know, thankful for helping you throughout the way, just any shout outs that you want to give right now is a great time. Yes. I would give a shout out to definitely my parents, first of all, um, because they were responsible in just giving me the freeway and the leeway to just work on these ideas and flesh them out. Um, they weren't restrictive at all. They just let me do my thing. So that was a good thing. Um, I would give a shout out to a lot of entrepreneurs out there. Um, Patrick, but David, he's the one who started that YouTube channel that I was telling you about, Valuetainment, which got me 
first interested in it. So Patrick or David would be one. Um, Elon Musk and Tim Draper, they taught me to think big. And um, there are a couple of other figures that I have in mind as well. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, thanks for coming on with us today. I, I mean, I enjoyed hearing your story and I look forward to seeing more about what you have coming out and uh, hope to talk to you soon. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me. Hey guys, that is it for this week's episode of the Empowering Business DFW podcast. If you enjoyed today's interview, make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you hear the newest episodes as they release every week. If you are a business owner or entrepreneur in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex and you would like to share your story, send me an email to empoweringbusinessdfw at gmail.com. And as always, thank you for listening. Stay well and God bless.